0: Every day we get what's supposed to be the news from the mainstream media with little thought or logical discussion. We believe everything we hear. We're not allowed to disagree or have an adult conversation about the issues. Believe the news. be canceled we're here to disrupt that idea changing the narrative with your host Cecil Grant jr. provides the views of an ordinary man on a variety of topics as a black conservative he adds entertaining deep and profound analysis that should cause you to think about things differently he's not here to change your mind he just wants you to think for yourself and now here's the host of changing the narrative Cecil Grant jr.
1: Welcome to Changing the Narrative. I'm your host Cecil Grant. Today I had the opportunity to interview the candidate for the 36th District of California, Joseph E. Collins III. Joe is a 13 and a half year Navy veteran and he comes from South Central LA. He's currently a CEO of a contracting and development company and sits on a board of a private global development company. He's a licensed financial professional and holds a bachelor's degree in accounting from the University of Phoenix. He's a former host of KABC's radio show, New Black Republican, and currently a congressional candidate for California's 36th District. In 2020, he ran against Maxine Waters in the 43rd District, getting almost 80,000 votes. He also organized teams that registered more than 50,000 Republican voters. In the 43rd district, you can learn more about Joe by checking out his website, JoeECollins3.com. You can also find him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. This was a uh, this interview just came really together quickly. Um, last week, I, I I had followed Joe back when he ran against Maxine Waters. Um, on LinkedIn, and I was on LinkedIn again a couple of of days ago last week, and I saw some of his posts, and I just got the thought, hey, let me reach out to him, see if he's interested in chit-chatting with me, and he responded, and he was interested, and he wanted to do it like, I think I reached out to him on Thursday, he wanted to talk on Monday, so uh, it was kind of a quick rush thing, but we got it done. He had his primary on Tuesday, and I'm I'm hoping everything went well or the way he wanted it to go. He's a very uh, interesting man, uh, very well, uh, you know, understands the the topics of the day um, is and, and understands really that <clears throat> there's a need for new leadership in D.C. not just um, not just somebody that's gonna you know talk and talk and talk and do nothing, but somebody that's going to talk and actually accomplish something. If you go to his website or you'll, you can learn a lot about his upbringing. Um, it, it, it's, it's one of those stories that, that the media needs to tell. This man is, is, is hitting the ground running. He's been, he's become a success and he's coming back to, to where he's, where he hails from and wants to make things better for the people there we all know we hear more bad things about California than you want to, and I think he's you know one of many people who wants to try to help and make that place a better place the other The other aspect of my podcast, as it relates not just to Joe but last week i I interviewed our played an interview with Jennifer Rudolph Green, who's running for Congress in Indiana. And the point being that there are there are a lot of black Republican, conservative Republicans running for office all over the country. And so we need to, uh, you know, really just open our eyes and see that, that th- these people are out there. Because the mainstream media is not going to put that focus on them for you. So listen to this uh, episode, enjoy it, and share it, and uh understand that there are black conservatives. We are not an oxymoron as, as some people would like to, to, to think we are. And, uh, this was a good discussion. Uh, we, like I said, this is probably, this is like the third interview I've done of somebody with somebody who I, I've never met in my life. So, (laughs) but it was fun. He's engaging. He's intelligent. Uh, Energetic, And I think that he's got a lot of ideas that if given an opportunity to, to enact them, we would see not only a change in underprivileged communities, black communities, Hispanic communities, whatever communities, but we'd see some, some major improvements and changes in America. Into the American uh, communities. One of the things I think that in talking to him, which made it very easy is because I feel like we kind of have, he and I, like I said, we've never met uh, the conversation that we, we we had a few uh, text conversations, but no, you know, phone calls or anything like that. But you could, I could tell immediately that we, we, we had the same values we have. We think the same, just like when I spoke with Jennifer Ruth Green, I could tell that she and I, there was a connection just in values. Um, and I, I, I feel like, you know, he, he's not just, you know, I, I think when you listen to his response, I asked him about um, forgiving student debt. And I think his response is, is, is spot on. And it's, it, it touches on, on a point that we seem to get away from, which is to, come together, find some common ground to make decisions and so we, we talk about a lot of a lot of good topics um, he shares a lot of wealth of knowledge of, of what's going on in the world today provides some really good answers so be sure to st- stay tuned and enjoy my interview with Joe Collins well this is a uh my opportunity to meet Joe Collins, uh, interview him for our podcast. Uh, he's running for election to the U.S. House of Representatives to represent California's 36th Congressional District. And just wanted to get quickly into the topics of the day. Obviously, gun violence slash gang violence is uh, the new uh, the new mantra. Um, and I, I read some somewhere earlier this morning that, I don't know if it was last Friday or this coming Friday, is going to be Gun Violence Awareness Day, and we're supposed to wear purple or red or some, orange or some kind of color. And in my head, I'm thinking, all of those people who have been dying in Chicago, L.A., Detroit, etc., for years. They're real happy about this, that we're finally aware of gun violence. What are your thoughts on that? Specifically, maybe as it relates to your, to your district. I think that, you know, when it when it comes to black communities, nobody really cares. noticed on the news how it's it's like now they're covering like every single shooting is just a you know but, but again we both know these things that happen weekly uh, in, in inner cities and, and nobody cares absolutely nobody nobody reports on it nobody cares um, so I, I told you earlier uh, in the week that I read your five-point plan I, I really I thought that was great um, specifically wanted to to look about uh, you know, your area, you're in California, I'm not super familiar with what goes on there, again, other than what the mainstream media says. Um, what are your thoughts as far as uh, making improvements, as far as bringing back jobs, um, you know, the homelessness, we see a lot of that on TV. How do you plan on, what's your approach to that?
2: When it, when it comes to jobs, I think uh, the biggest issue with California is uh, number one infrastructure and number two taxes and restrictions on development. Um, I think that we have to start loosening up the uh, the restrictions and getting rid of the taxes uh, when it comes to development projects and, and taxes. Period. Um, in California, we're overtaxed for a lot of things that we don't see the benefits of. So we gotta we gotta get rid of some of those taxes. We gotta use tax advantage strategies to uh, incentivize businesses to come back to California specifically you know, places around the inner city so we can get those people good jobs as we, you know, as we redevelop and as we rebuild infrastructure in and, and certain areas. And when it comes to homeless, I think we, we got to open up the mental health facilities, the mental health facilities um, and, and make it so people can't check themselves out prior to the completion of their treatment. Uh, also, it's, it's a problem with taxes as well. A lot of people um, are homeless because they can't afford to live and that's just because the cost of living has risen uh, tremendously. Um, the way to get the cost living down is you, you have to reduce the taxes, I and mean, that's that's the, the best way to do it,
1: okay. And I, I know that was it two years ago you ran against Maxine Waters? Yes, uh, okay. what I guess in that regard, um, and you talk about you know, we need new dynamic leadership, and obviously, I think. <laughs> What we see now is a bunch of old, crusty people that have been in power forever, and will, and, and and in my opinion, and it's kind of to me it's funny, maybe it's not, but they most of them die in office. I mean they die with a pen in their hand at their de- They they you have to peel their dead body out of out of Washington. What 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 are your thoughts with regard to term limits?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm pro-term limits. I think anybody who's been in office uh, that long has to go. I don't think people who are in the the, the late 60s, 70s, and 80s um, represent uh, the vision of the future of America. I think that they represent the past of America, and they legislate uh, representing the past of America. And as you see right now, we're back at Jimmy Carter days with the same politicians who was in office Uh, With with Jimmy Carter, I think we need young people um, getting up, getting involved in politics, and and moving the United States forward with the vision of of young Barry.
1: Yeah, I was I was reading uh, in a book today that um, you know back in the '60s, like when uh, John F. Kennedy was president, he was in his 30s, and and that everybody was kind of young, that was active and moving and making things happen. And now, (laughs) again, we've got old people who've been there for a hundred years and and you, like you said they don't reflect our views or, and, and values in the way that we're trying to believe that we ought to be moving this country why why do you think um, that conservative black Americans are viewed as an oxymoron
2: i mean it's easy most most people especially the media teach that black people are democrats um democrats represent the poor and all black people for some reason is subconsciously poor that's that's basically the reason why but a lot of black people don't know the history of the republican party they don't know the republican party was was started in part by black people for for the freedom and preservation of the rights of black people and um you know through that uh through the a few other events uh, economic events when the emancipation proclamation happened and you know, Southern Democrats couldn't make money with slavery anymore and then you have the signing of the 1960s uh, Civil Rights Act that Black people thought was, was great for them which it really uh, was and you have a lot of Black people start going to the uh, Democrat Party and, and now we're in a situation that we're in because you know, they think that the government is supposed to help us and we need the government help because for some reason we can't do anything on our own and uh, now, now we're in a situation to where we are heavily relying on, on the United States federal government. Yeah. It's, it's destroying our families.
1: Yeah. And that—that's the the key. And I—I I, I think for me, a lot of times I can't understand why, as Americans, we don't we don't see that the, 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 our the family structure has been destroyed. Back in the 60s and 50s, black families, the nuclear family—the mother, the father, the kids. The, home the job and and now it's something completely different and now that's and the people that i feel and i got us to that are the ones we keep running back to and saying hey help us out and they keep saying yeah we will and then then they, <laughs> they don't we're,
2: we're trying that's what we hear we're trying we're trying to do this we're trying to do that but we can't get it done because the of- you know, whatever reason. And it's just like, well, you've been trying for a very long time. It's probably time for you to, you know, pass that torch.
1: Yeah, to somebody that's that can get stuff done. Um and you were you were in the Navy for I can't remember the, the amount of time. How long ago? Uh thirteen and a half years. Okay. How how did you how what was your experience as far as um in in the Navy as far as being a black man serving this country how 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 was your experience regarding that um you know my my experience in the military was was amazing i don't think i would be where
2: i'm at right now had it not been for uh, me joining the navy i, I grew up in the inner city um yeah. i uh finished school in texas high school in texas because our house was shut up in a drive by uh i was going to college and working at walmart and um you know, the military just took my life to the to the next level. I don't think anybody in my family wanted me to join the military. I didn't think they expected me to join the military, but uh,
1: they're glad I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it seems to have done you done you quite well, and uh, you yep. know, and and the, the thing that that I that I like because I think I followed you a little bit when you ran against Maxine Waters, and then I again, like I said, you're not the disrespecting you or anything, but you're in California and Florida, you know, (laughs) couldn't follow it completely. But, um, you know, that, that was a, a challenge in and of itself because she is, you know, entrenched in, in her district and I'm not sure what's, what's going on there, but, uh, it's good to see, you know, I think for me, I've seen a lot of younger black men and women stepping forward and saying, Hey, listen, not only am I running for a, a political office, but I'm a conservative, and then here's why. And, and moving forward with their agenda, which to me is positive, and I don't understand why Black Americans don't latch on to the conservative movement of, of family, faith, hard work, all of those things, which I think are are in our core. What what do you think is what do you think is keeping Black Americans from from accepting that, not like it's some foreign pill you got to swallow, because it's it's really who we are. I think. Why why do you think we're ignoring that? Uh, the Republican
2: Party doesn't give freebies. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things. And then second, they just don't come to our communities. Yeah. Uh, when I ran when I ran against Maxine Waters in the 43rd district last cycle, that people were telling me this is the first time they ever had the opportunity to even talk to a Republican because they have literally never seen one, let alone a Black Republican. So. Um, you know, we, we gotta show up, Democrats, they're 24 seven, um, you know, I, I, don't know what they do in a community because our community is still a mess, but they're there 24 seven. So, you know,
1: and, and the, the, I think the excuse, excuse, the reason that I've heard, um, Republicans give about why they don't go into black communities is because they know they're not going it, to, it's, I know you're not going to vote for me, so why waste my time or my funds? <laughs> but yeah you're basically you're still not going to get it if you don't go there um yeah i know i know uh here in florida there was an organization called uh, black voters for trump or something and during the election they went into the black community it was black people going into the black community um you know talking about the the benefits and of the republican party and that kind of thing. But to me, even if you take away, take out the Republican Party aspect of it, it's the the conservative values, which to me is your Christian faith. That you know, black people are, to me, I feel like they're very um, faith based, family based, um, and and if you if you stand in at least those two blocks, you know, then you've got the pillar for Black America. So yeah, for the most part, yeah. So, well, let me ask you about uh, student loan debt. That's another ball that's out there. Um, <laughs> um, to me, the education process has a whole lot of work that needs to be done with it. But getting to the student, and that all leads to that student loan debt. People going to college, you know, college prices are out of this, out of this world, and, uh, you know, they end up, with a degree where you can't really get a job and they want me and you and maybe people who didn't go to college to pay for their student Mm -hmm. loan what what are your thoughts on that
2: uh i'm not i'm not a fan of student loan debt being paid off you know unless you serve the country um but i you know and i and i get the conversation a lot you know we talk about it a lot and a lot of people say well you know student loans hurt black people and you know black people are proponents of not being able to buy a house because they got student loan debt this, that, and the other. And while that's sad, going to college is still a personal choice. Nobody ever teaches people in our community the the what next aspect of um, starting a career. I'm gonna go to college and then what? I'm gonna get a great job, Well, how are you gonna do that? You know? And then you rack up all of this debt, and you think that it's unfair. But it's, uh, at the same time, it's, it was that choice you made. It was the choice that. Somebody forced you to do and so you have to you know pay pick up the consequences for for your choices But I also believe that if the federal government gonna spend billions and billions of dollars, you know Especially when they give to other countries for dumb stuff You might as well take care of the people of the United States Yeah, um, I'm a proponent of taking care of people in the United States before taking care of other country and all these immigrants that are coming over here illegally So I just think the United States got their parties mixed up.
1: Yeah, for sure <laughs> And all of all of the, the the topics. I mean, we could we could touch on the disservice to all Americans when you start looking at the open borders. I mean, that's you're taking away jobs. You take you're you're bringing in violence. You're bringing in drugs. Um, I, again, <clears throat> I, I I saw a video clip of the ladies on the View, and they were. The one lady I don't know, or I don't, whoever, she was berating one of the other hosts because the host was talking about the fentanyl coming across the border, and this lady said, "Wow, well, you sound like Fox News talking points." Well, no, it's real. <laughs> why, 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 why does it have to get to crisis mode before anybody starts to believe what's going on? Well that lady is in La La Land. You know, they don't they don't they don't really
2: follow everything that's going on. They look at like MSNBC where they throw a topic up there and they start giving their opinions on the topic instead of literally, you know, breaking down that topic, finding out what's really going on, you know. And yeah. uh and, and these people really believe in a federal government that doesn't like you know, they, they really believe that and I and I think it's completely sad that people have these type of opinions on things that they don't know. Yeah. That lady don't live in anybody's uh, inner city. She doesn't live by the border, never visit the border, never, don't even read the articles from like news, newspaper organizations, online news organizations to find out, you know, what's going on. Because if that was the case, then she'd know that there are hundreds of thousands of pounds of fentanyl, cocaine, marijuana that's
1: that's coming across that border. It's, it's uh, disturbing to say the least. So... The other topic, and I think this is is something that's going to come up shortly as we get closer to the November elections, um, voter suppression, voter ID, how it's racist, how black people are too stupid to get online and get an ID, that the the DMV is too far away, and blah, blah, blah. What are your thoughts on, on that? I think that we
2: need IDs. Not only IDs, maybe some type of way to prove your citizenship, like using your social security number, the same way that makes it uh, hard to open up a bank account. It should be hard to, um, to, to deter people from uh, who are not able to vote, to vote in the United States. Um, and people don't understand that. You're literally voting for people who have the ability to create policy that's going to improve or destroy your life. Why not make it so people uh, who can't vote, can't vote? You know, and a lot of times people mistake uh, the the lack of comfortability for for racism or suppression, you know, and especially in Georgia, Georgia, they're trying to get these laws passed and make it so people who are working with certain political campaigns or or certain uh, political parties, you, you can't be around the voting places. And they think that's racism because it's hot outside and it affects black people because black people actually go to the polls. And it's like, well, if that's the case, California would be racist, uh, you know, for the last, you know, 40, 50 years because you cannot hang out around the polls, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and if uh, and voting is so important, the same way people can get cigarettes and get weed, they can buy alcohol and they can buy Jordans, then you should be able to go. Uh, vote in that same manner. You don't see Michael Jordan or anybody from Nike uh, standing outside Foot Locker the Mall trying to give people water while they wait in line to buy shoes or order drugstore or something like that. It just it doesn't happen. Lack of convenience is not racism. You should, you should want tighter restrictions on voting so we can ensure that our elections are safe and people who are eligible to vote can literally uh, vote in America and have their voices heard without influence. Yeah.
1: And I think that and when you talk about influence, I mean, I it, sometimes I feel like our our vote as a, as a citizen gets lost because of lobbies. You know, these these and 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 these high rolling donors who contribute to various politicians and say, hey, we'll fund your campaign as long as when you get in, you do this and that and the other. Whereas me, I'm just saying, hey man, I'm vote for you. Take care of me, but I Here's 50 bucks. <laughs> um, how do we how do we get it to where you know the 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 normal citizen feels like his vote counts? Because I think I think there are a lot of people that don't vote for that very reason. They just, I vote, so what?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I think it really depends on, on a person who you're voting for to get in the office. You know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. So uh, if you're voting for a person who has proven over and over again that they don't have your best interest at heart, you really got to vote for something else. But for, for us, we feel sympathetic towards a person who was in the office because they give us a sad story about, you know, how they're trying to do this and trying to do that and hadn't been able to get stuff done because of the other party uh meanwhile they have a big house they have nice cars their whole family is taken care of they don't live in a district but everybody in a district is poor and hurting you know and so um we really have to start taking a closer look at these politicians who have been in office you know 15 20 30 40 50 years and and joe biden's case and and you got to start saying you know what you guys have been ineffective it's time for you to go mm-hmm. but and, until we get to that point i mean lobbyists don't even matter you know, yeah. we got to get to the point where we're driving out failed politicians, and it's damn near all of them.
1: And do you do you feel like like local politics is is, is having the influence <laughs> it needs to have? I mean, you know, the, your local school board, your mayor, or, or however you know the local community is set up. Do you feel like the the public is involved enough, at, even at that level?
2: because even on the local level, you have recycled politicians. You know, they go from the state legislator to the state assembly to the state house or, you know, they'll go from commissioner to city council to the mayor to the supervisor to the school board like they're just recycling each other each positions and you'll see the same people running for office time and time again of the popularity or the sympathy aspect that people have for these people you know oh well she's a black person and they've been here for a long time and we know the part you know we know this person because they go to our church and it's like they're they literally destroying our community they've been there for 30 40 years they're corrupt um it's obvious that they're corrupt and, and they I mean us no good yeah
1: and i think you know, as black Americans, we we have to get to a place where we stop voting for just the color of, this, of a person's skin. Um, I, I, Again, this is my personal opinion, but I feel like when Barack Obama ran for office the first time, I think there were people who had never voted in their life, came out of the woodwork. Yep. I'm voting for a black man. Do you exactly. know his policies? Do you know what he wants to do? Do you do you know anything other than his color of his skin? Um, it's sad, I think. Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. So, Well, you've got, uh, like you said earlier, you've got your primaries uh, tomorrow, correct? Yep. So what do, what are your big plans for today? Uh, we're going to be out in the community. I'm probably going to be on the phone
2: the majority of the day, and you know, trying to get things set up for tomorrow I think we're in a pretty good position we put a lot of work in um, we're still building up the momentum from the last election cycle so uh, you know I look forward to going to the general election
1: good 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 I, uh, I feel confident I've, I've followed you on LinkedIn and seen some of your I went to your website which I thought was very good as well um, looked at a lot of the uh, video and interviews that you did on there um, and those were good. Uh, and like I said, I really, <clears throat> really enjoyed uh, your your five-point plan. I think something like this is very simple that the you know the community could could hold on to, um, relate to, uh, and 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 you know with you in, in position move forward with. So, um, I uh, like I said, I, I my plan is not to to take up a lot of your time, but I do. Really, again, I, I really, really appreciate you taking the taking the, the time to communicate with me on on LinkedIn, and then taking the time to do this interview. So, um, absolutely, I wish you the best of luck. I think I I feel confident, just like you, I know you do, uh, that you're you're going to take this, and and then we'll move forward to the the general election in November, and go from there. Um, uh, one of the things I am asking the people that I've interviewed is. Whether you win or lose, I possibly would like to talk to you again and see what your plans are. Um, obviously, if you win tomorrow, we know what your plans are, and then when you get that next goal, uh, you know we'll we'll try to contact you and see what what uh, what's going on, what your plans are, and uh, move forward with that. So, I appreciate you okay. taking like taking the time out today, and uh, good luck to you.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And feel free, you can message me on LinkedIn anytime. I, I try my best to get back to uh, to everybody, especially on LinkedIn. That's where the majority of the professionals and business owners are. And so I, I think uh, people in certain industries uh, who need who need that help, or they want to, you know, help come up with a plan uh, to to improve the communities, bring jobs, or you know, financial literacy or awareness. It's, it's
0: absolutely important.
1: Great. Well, I appreciate it again, and thank you. And I'll, uh, right, I'll reach out to you again soon. All right. All right. Sounds good. God bless. Yes, sir. Thank you. All
0: right. Peace. Another fantastic episode in the books. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating on Apple. Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Be sure to look for Changing the Narrative with Cecil Grant Jr. on Facebook and subscribe to our website for more content. Thanks for your support and remember to always think for yourself.